welcome to this week's Who the Folk podcast. I'm Lonnie Goldsmith, the editor of TC Jew Folk. This week, I talk with Jerry Goldman, the new program manager of PJ Library Minneapolis. We talk about how Jerry moved from the publishing world back to programming, finding new ways to connect with the community, and a forthcoming expansion of a PJ Library program on this week's Who the Folk podcast. But before we get started, be sure to check out some of the other podcasts that Jew Folk produces, like The Jews Are Tired, where Lev Gringos is taking a deep dive into Jewish news, Kumba Hineni, Jew Folk's podcast on intersectionality with your host, Enzi Tanner. And if you're looking for a weekly dose of Jewish pop culture, check out The Bagel Report, produced by Jew Folk in partnership with Jay, the Jewish News of Northern California. Go to tcjewfolk.com slash podcast to learn more. Jerry Goldman, the new PJ Library Coordinator at JFCS Minneapolis. Welcome to the Who the Folk podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me into your, your offices to chat today. This is this is wonderful. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So as I said, you are the new PJ Library Coordinator. How long have you been in this role? Um, I started mid-December, right before Hanukkah, and okay. jumped right in. <laughs> so just a couple months now, yep. roughly. What's uh, what's the transition been like for you into this new role? It's been wonderful. I was able to use my background and interest uh, in children's books and in some youth programming and get right into doing uh, community programs for Hanukkah and for Havdalah, and it's been a blast. Well, so you started right before Hanukkah and jumped right into programming immediately. Yes, I had programs already set up on my behalf uh, that were in the community that I was joining into. Okay. Um, and uh, I think my yeah my second week there were well there were supposed to be three events it was a blizzard so one of them didn't happen and you know another almost didn't happen but uh, it was fun to get out there right away and meet people. That's awesome and you know weather obviously does come into play time to time here in Minnesota so that's <laughs> yes. a, that that is a thing that occasionally will get in your way. Uh, but it's great to it did does it feel good to be able to like jump in right to sort of the programming side of your job like basically immediately. It was for me because that's one of the areas that I was most comfortable with. Okay. Um, I ran a Jewish youth group when I lived in Madison um, many years ago and uh, and did a lot of programming for kids. And I'm also a former teacher, so um, I love being out there with the kids. That was kind of the one thing I was missing at my last job. So it was uh, it was great. Well, it's neat that you have that background to be able to sort of seamlessly jump into it. Because I like yeah. I, for example, could not just jump in and run <laughs> programs for kids and families. Well, these ones luckily were uh, ones that synagogues and uh, the Jewish day school were hosting already. Okay. And so I was uh, so you're, an addition you're to you're those ones. I partnered on those. Nice. And then and then we started to uh, do some co-planning for the next round of them in January and February. Oh, and, excellent. Yeah. So you mentioned your previous role not having so much interaction with with kids what was your oh sorry so i was uh i was at learner publishing um and they have a jewish division called carbon publishing and uh make jewish books for children one of the biggest or maybe the biggest children's book publisher jewish children's book publisher um and uh so i would um you know be on the phone mostly and and doing orders with schools and 
synagogues and preschools and things like that. Um, some of the other PJ library folks. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I know, and probably many of the, the, the parents who are listening have many, many, many Carven <laughs> yes. publishing books in their home that came from, like us, came from PJ Library. Yes, I was actually the one responsible for placing those PJ Library orders. So oh, really? It okay. would be, you know, 30,000 copies of this book and 20,000 copies of this book. And uh, I would kind of take that, you know, from the process from the beginning to end uh, for the, you know, shipping and communications with them and all that. So I already had some knowledge and experience with PJ Library professionally, and I have a daughter, so I was getting the books as well. So it was kind of a nice way to transition, uh, you know, from one to the next, knowing, um, knowing some about the program and the foundation that runs it and everything to start with. So you've really intersected with PJ Library on a lot of different levels before even contemplating yeah. coming on for this role. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, my daughter, uh, I signed her up when she was six months old and because uh, I was already at Carbon Publishing, so I already knew about the program. Now you can sign up right at zero, uh, but it was six months at the time yeah. and started getting uh, books for her and taking her to... PJ Library programs, some of the same ones that I'm planning right now, actually. Uh, the uh, the Betshalom Traveling Havdalah coming up uh, was one of the first ones we went to, uh, and the community baby shower. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun to come around to being on the other side of it. You know, it's great that you signed her up for PJ Library, but, like, you could have just brought the books home from the office, right? <laughs> I did that, too. But <laughs> not all the PJ Library books come from, from Carbon. That's there true. are a lot of them. Um, but uh, especially now, PJ has um, actually developed their own in-house publishing company. Really? Recent, in the last few years. Um, and so they're still they're still taking books from other publishers as okay. well, but um, authors can now submit directly to uh, them to get uh, to get published oh, potentially as well. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting new uh, opportunities there for exactly for, for PJ Library. So from a you mentioned all the experience you had programming. What age did you used to teach? I taught mostly third through fifth grade, both okay. in public schools and uh, at a private Jewish day school, okay. um, primarily in Madison, Wisconsin and, and surrounding areas there where I lived for a while after college, a long while. I stuck around for 18 years. <laughs> oh, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, okay. grew up here and then went out there to school and then uh, came back here in 2015 when I was thinking about having a kiddo and wanting to be around grandparents and everything. Okay. So what the, what the drawback was. I yep. think that, that is for a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. I think they would have been pretty upset if I had not. <laughs> Understandably. I get that. So what was it about the sort of the, obviously programming activities is different than teaching. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different skill set, but what was it about what PJ was it about what PJ Library did that was really the appeal once the once you saw this was available? It was just a perfect combination of all of the jobs that I've loved or the the aspects of all the jobs that I've loved. Um, I love children's literature and have since I was you know learning to be a teacher. I took a children's literature course. It was my favorite course I ever took in college, and. 
was always a big part of my classroom. Reading aloud especially was my favorite part of the day. And um, when I got to combine that, you know, in a Jewish day school with, you know, Judaism and Jewish themes, it was even more fun. And, you know, I was able to carry that into my job at at Carbon and help teachers on the phone and come up with ideas and books for them. And then that uh, programming piece that I love that I did in my um, Jewish youth group days, even back when I was helping plan things back in <laughs> high school youth groups, I, I planned things at Hillel in college and I've just always loved um, programming and event coordinating. And so it was that great combination of, of all of those things that drew me into this. And that's a special skill set to do that kind of programming, to, to find engaging activities for a potentially wide range of ages. And obviously with PJ, there's a lot of ages uh, yeah. of, of kids involved from, you know, six months uh, where they're just sort of hearing and maybe not even recognizing or knowing yeah. what the pictures <laughs> are, to even older than that and then up to through PJR way. So you're looking at, you know, programs and activities for zero to 12 yeah we try to tailor our programs somewhat to different ages so i have um there's two parent connectors um jenny and terry who work with the youngest Mm -hmm. children it was traditionally a zero to two we're actually expanding it zero to five that's uh in the works we're actually going to be looking for a new parent connector so if somebody's interested uh to work with the zero to two age um along with Jenny and um, and Terry's going to focus on the three to five age and we're going to um, you know that allow me to kind of focus a little bit on the older kids and to grow the PJR way programming as well Um, but we're going to do some you know targeted programming at different ages certainly everyone's welcome and there are families that have kids of multiple ages you know so it's not going to be exclusively any one age but we're hoping that'll help a little bit but Sometimes we're able to come up with things that are equally engaging. I, I just ran a program uh, at Bethel for Abdallah. I shouldn't say ran. I co-planned and co-led uh, a program with the Bethel staff. Um, but I brought an art project. And one of the great things, I saw a two-year-old and a nine-year-old equally engaged in this art project um, in their own way, of yeah. course. Um, but... You know, that is a challenge coming up with something that works for both, but trying to do that. I've had some experience with, uh, you know, planning for wide ages um, and uh, and art projects across uh, the board. Also, I was working at Betchalom um, during the pandemic uh, and planning the, the art projects for, for kind of the virtual classes oh, for the whole yes. spectrum from pre-K through 12, actually, oh, wow. okay. um, and kind of handing it off to other teachers. Um, and so that gave me some practice, mostly searching the internet, of course, for, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for things that already exist. No right. need to reinvent the wheel, but there's a lot out there already. And um, we have a huge PJ Library professional network also with tons of resources and ideas so that's a great place to to look as well and i was just going to ask you about that obviously this is this is a nationwide program that you're now a part of so obviously international actually it's all over in in different countries um yeah it's fabulous it's grown um they translate them into well hebrew of course but in russian and 
Portuguese for Brazil and Spanish for Mexico and and uh, oh, it's in cool. in the UK and yeah all over so oh, amazing. it's really great um but yeah sorry no, it, no <laughs> go that's ahead fine. But it, so you have this international program and so you don't have to come up with necessarily every idea from scratch now you may have some excellent ideas that we haven't tried here before but like you may be able to build off ideas that have worked in another community in exactly the US or in the uk or anywhere else in the world to it's, really keep it sort of fresh and lively and interesting it's a really wonderful community there's no competition because everyone's doing their own thing and so there's tons of resource sharing tons of support i actually have an engagement officer from it's the harold grinspoon foundation mm -hmm. that runs pj library um she's basically my cheerleader coach you know um idea person, connector to other people. Um, and we talk every couple of weeks and she gives me ideas and tells me to check out this person's stuff or, you know, emails them and tells them to share something with me. Um, we also have a lot of online trainings that you can, and not just, tra not trainings per se, but uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they, they have all different topics that you can sign up for. Um, so I did one yesterday with a bunch of people from around the country about, you know, meaningfully engaging LGBTQ families in programming. And there was a huge range from small town to big city mm -hmm. uh, and people who have done things already and people who um, have yet to get started. And so, you know, it's just this great chance to share and um, brainstorm ideas. Oh, that's great. And, and, you know, you mentioned LGBTQ families, obviously. J Pride is also housed at JFC. Yes. So like you have sort of ready-made in-house partners. We do. We've actually, are... yeah, we just met this week. Isaac and I met, and uh, and we're gonna be starting a PJ Pride uh, group uh, to do probably quarterly throughout the year um, to do some programming oh, specifically for families that are part of that community um, and also attend. Um, some pride events okay. um, in June. We're gonna um, do the hopefully do the uh, Twin Cities Pride family picnic. Okay. Um, you know things like that. Or we'll be at the regular Pride also at a table with J Pride That's and supporting right. them. They're doing a big focus on um, doing more, including more for kids this year, oh, like nice. citywide. And so um, we're gonna try to be a part of that as well. That's really cool. That's yeah. Really cool. So from a programming standpoint, you mentioned. The, the parent connector program, sort of expanding in ages. What was, what's the purpose to growing it sort of from now to that three to five, including that three to five? Three to thing? five. Well, part of it is just the connector's kids growing up, to be honest, <laughs> you know. Um, Terry has that three to five okay. range of kids um, Fair. more That's so. Fine. and um, But the, the people that got connected in the program initially have felt so connected that they've sort of continued on, you know, almost in a cohort to some degree uh, and and have wanted to sort of stay together and continue to do some of this smaller programming that is more um, intimate and mm -hmm. gives a better chance for families to really get to know each other and connect and friendships to form, which is a big part of what we want to do. Um, you know, it's great to have a program and have a hundred people there like we have coming up. It's fun for everyone and, um, and certainly people can meet and engage. But when you have, you know, we had a Chubby Shvat Seder recently um, with six families 
and I heard how the little boys made, you know, a new friend and they were running around together and the families got to talk and really connect and, and they loved that as well. So our, our connector program really allows for some of that smaller, more intimate programming to happen at, uh, at specific age groups. Um, as far as the growing, um, you know, we also want to, um, keep people engaged that (laughs) you know have been engaged and again having that kind of next level targeted age group will will i think help keep those families engaged as we um as we move forward (laughs) i mean that sounds so much like how tcg folks sort of grew we started (laughs) aimed at like 20s to 40s and then Mm -hmm. we've just sort of as as that sort of initial core demo got older, they stayed with us and we just have sort of continued to bring Expand. in from both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> so like we, I totally understand how, how, how the, the parent connector program could, you know, that the connector program could also grow in that sort of same yeah. way as you, they want to stay engaged, but are also kids get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most cities, the, the connectors are regional. Um, so, you know, in a city like Chicago, that's very spread out and, you know, pockets and different neighborhoods and things, they are assigned more to different neighborhoods. And we kind of started that way between the two of them in that zero to two age range, you know, more Mm. city versus suburbs, Western suburbs kind of thing. Um, but, uh, there's still a lot of, you know, and I think in Minneapolis area, everyone's used to driving to different places and connecting and, uh, you know, going wherever they need to go in the mm-hmm. Jewish community. And so the regional model wasn't that important in our city as it might be in others. Right. Um, and uh, so we we kind of proposed this new way of doing it and talked it through, and uh, it seemed like it would be a good fit for us. So we're going to give it a try. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yes, to your point, I live in Plymouth, and frankly, I – like – basically everything's a 20 minute drive yeah exactly <laughs> maybe it's 25 maybe it's 15 yeah and we try to vary where we do things sure. and you know i mean golden valley tends to be fairly central for a lot of people yeah. so we do things here and at brookview park and things close by but we you know certainly go into the different um synagogues as well um and then we try to be in secular spaces mm-hmm. um that's our chance to reach out to um families that may be unaffiliated um, or may not be as comfortable in a Jewish space. Um, And that's a big goal of ours um, is to really reach those families and help them engage in the Jewish community in a different way that might feel more comfortable to them. And so um, we're trying, that's kind of going to be a goal this year too, to really get into as many um, secular spaces as possible, the public libraries, outdoor, you know, programs, festivals, yeah. things like that um and just get out there and and reach more people and, and you mentioned at least partnering in the synagogues how how important is that to to have the various synagogues of the different denominations as a partner for for these programs you know we try to do a variety but it's it's great for us and it's great for them mm-hmm. we can share our participant lists so we get you know better attendance we have a chance to bring in people who are unaffiliated into different synagogues so that they might find one that feels right to them and connect um and um we also give people a chance to then 
meet people, you know, outside of their synagogue community if that's where their uh, Jewish life is centered. Um, it gives them a chance to meet people from others as well since they're open to everyone in the community. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely a goal. We have these seven engagement principles for PJ Library, and one of them is to connect families to Jewish institutions and organizations yeah. in the community. And so um, that's, you know, certainly one of our wider goals and it works well for everybody. And, and I do like that you're going to try to find more secular spaces also because for some people, for whatever people's individual reasons are, mm -hmm. they may, you know, they, the, their Judaism and how they connect to Judaism may not m manifest itself by walking through the doors right. of a synagogue. Right. And this, you know, the, the PG Library program really gives people another way to connect and a way to engage. And that's really what it's all about. Um, I, I've heard uh, in the Minnesota Mamla group uh, on Facebook, uh, which has become so popular, I, I remember hearing uh, or seeing, I should say, not hearing, uh, a few people say, oh, we're PJ Library Jews, meaning that was their kind of one thing that connected them to Judaism. They don't go to a synagogue. They maybe don't do Jewish camps or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. Um, that was their soul connection. And if that's it and that keeps them connected to the Jewish community, that's fabulous. That's what we want. Um, and I'm not sure there's a better endorsement yeah. for pj library necessarily <laughs> than that honestly it's great. It's, it's great great. it really has brought people in and you know if, if you haven't seen a pj library book i know you have but people listening yes. um the they always add a flap to the beginning to mm -hmm. the cover uh that talks about the holiday or the jewish value that is represented or included in that particular yeah. book and it always has a link to more resources um, for that holiday or for theme or whatever it is in there. And so um, it it's not just the story, but it also has that explanation at the beginning for parents in particular. And, um, you know, you never know what's going to spark someone's interest, um, you know, get them you know, on the internet, learning more, uh, checking things out. Right. Um, and and we, we certainly hope to do that as well um, and kind of have it as a, a gateway to more Judaism. Right, <laughs> and sometimes parents need that push. They need that help. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the internet is so vast. There are so many places to get information. Like, why not offer your own website as a place yeah. to get get that info and yeah. to help people connect and, and the pj library website's fabulous it has um these holiday hubs and and things where it includes art projects and recipes and ways to celebrate with your family and all sorts of ideas um that even you know well-practiced jews yeah. <laughs> uh, should check out especially with kids because it's uh it's a great resource for everybody well that is excellent well um how can people get a hold of you if they're wanting to get more information about the PJ Library program here in Minneapolis? Um, email's probably best. G Goldman at jfcsmpls.org. Um, they can certainly call JFCS as well. Um, and uh, the PJ Library website nationally also will connect you to me with my info. So if you go to pjlibrary.org um, or pjrway.org, 
they have uh, a place to put in your zip code and and it'll tell you who your local PJ professional is and how to reach them. Um, so that works as well. Well, fantastic. Well, Jerry, last couple questions and we will yeah. let you go. First, what is your favorite Jewish holiday? Ooh, my favorite Jewish holiday? I would say it is Passover. Okay. How come? I Well, I love the gathering with the family yep. um, and that we're actually sitting down around the table and all focused on the same thing, which doesn't happen very often. And uh, I like the, you know, it's meaningful and symbolic and um, really feels like we're continuing and passing down those same traditions, you know, from generation to generation. And uh, it's not the food I like, but, you know, <laughs> it's still the most meaningful holiday to me, I think. That's fair. Uh, however, speaking of food, what is your favorite Jewish food? Oh, favorite Jewish food. Wow. That's tricky. Um, I don't know if it's a Jewish food per se. Okay. But... My my grandmother used to make uh, sweet and sour meatballs, which I know is a popular Jewish family yeah. food. Uh, certainly from uh, from an Ashkenazi Jewish uh, background. Very much so. Yes. And I've uh, continued making those for some of the holidays, and it just reminds me of you know her and you know family gatherings growing up. So I think that that would be the one. Oh, fantastic. Well, Jerry Goldman, thank you so much for joining me this week, and best of luck as you continue to settle in here at PJ Library. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. The Who the Folk Podcast is part of the Jew Folk Podcast Network, a product of Jew Folk, Inc. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions for other podcast guests, please email them to me at editor at tcjewfolk.com. For our other shows, check out tcjufolk.com slash podcast.